Good morning, everybody. Today I'm going to be speaking on prayer, and specifically the power that is available in prayer. Uh, so we're going to start off by praying. <laughs> so bow your heads with me. Father God, we thank you so much that you give us access to you. You haven't just made us, you haven't just saved us, but you've brought us into a relationship with you. You invite us to talk to you, and you actually correspond back with us. It is such a high honor, and we ask that this morning you would reveal to us how you would like us to, to step into that more fully and open our hearts and minds to anything else that you would have to speak to us today, Holy Spirit. We love you and thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're actually going to be starting off uh, in, in a passage in the Bible that's not usually looked at as a prayer passage. Um, there's a lot that the Bible has to say about prayer. And actually, before I even get into that, um, because there's so many different facets of prayer, obviously, I'm not going to be able to cover everything this morning. Um, I'm looking at kind of a pinpoint aspect of it. But I want to talk generally about what prayer is. Um, you know, we often, at our, at our house, we've got three young boys and a, a baby girl, and a lot of times at mealtimes, we will pray over our meal. And every now and then, one of our sons will kind of do it in a silly voice or funny tone and, you know, Father God, I pray over these big beans. You know, and we, we stopped them and say, like, you know what? I realize you're just trying to be funny. But this isn't just magic words that we say over our meal. We are talking to God. <laughs> we are actually conversing with the God of the universe right now, and he's listening to us. And so we should be respectful when we talk to him. He's got a sense of humor, he's cool, he's laid back, he understands that you're four and you're just being silly. But we're going to train ourselves to be respectful towards God because prayer is talking to God. It's not just some religious activity we do, like, you know, well, I, I read my Bible, I read these, these passages or so many chapters a day and that's my check my box sort of thing. Prayer really is a conversation with God. And that conversation is possible because of his love for us, because he actually desires to hear us talk to him, to tell him what's on our hearts, to ask him to be involved in our lives. Um, some people have posited, well, isn't it just like a soliloquy, which means basically I'm talking to myself? Because he already knows what I'm going to say, right? Yes, he's all-knowing. So then why do I even need to say it? Isn't it just like I'm kind of going through the motions, he already knows I'm going to... doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't ask us to decide or figure out if, if it's actually something that's more us talking to ourselves or really like there's some element of him being, you know, uh, ministered to by us doing it. All the Bible really tells us about is do it. <laughs> you are supposed to pray. It tells us over and over and over again, we're not just supposed to ask for things. It does say, ask for things. When you need something, go to your heavenly father, ask him. He's a good God. It also says, pour out your, your, your heart to him. Cast your cares on God. Let him know what's going on in your mind, what, what's, what's burdening your heart. So God invites us into that because he loves us. Yay, God is good. All right. I like the message so far. I don't know how you're doing, but it's, uh, it's working for me. All right, so we're going to go to this passage in Exodus. Exodus 17, verses 8 through 13. Uh, there are some, you know... <laughs> Some of those big words with a lot of vowels and consonants that happen in the Old Testament. So if I'm not pronouncing something exactly right, um, grace for me, please. All right. So Exodus 17, it says, starting in verse 8, at Rephadim, the Amalek, 
the Amalekites came and fought the Israelites. So Moses said to Joshua, come, choose some men to go fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill holding the walking stick, or rod or staff, of God in my hands. Joshua obeyed Moses and went to fight the Amalekites, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. That's not um, a female that they just used the pronoun instead of her name. That's a dude named Hur. Um, as long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites would win the fight. But when Moses put his hands down, the Amalekites would win. Later, when Moses' arms became tired, the men put a large rock under him, and he sat on it. Then Aaron and Hur held up Moses' hands, Aaron on one side and Hur on the other. They kept his hands steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated the Amalekites in this battle. Okay, so a lot going on there. Basically, what's happening? The children of Israel, God's chosen people, they were slaves in Egypt. They've been set free from Egypt. All these crazy, amazing miracles have happened, and they're finally free. They're going to this land that God's told them to go to, and on the way, there's some rough people who live in that area who don't want good things for the children of Israel. They want to fight them. So they start to wage war. Moses says, all right, we're going to go fight these guys. I'm going to bring the stick. They go. He holds the stick up, and while he's holding a stick up like this, while they're fighting, they're winning, and when he drops it down, they're losing. So he gets some help. He keeps the stick up. They win the battle. Yay! I kind of think it had to have been really odd, like Moses figuring out like this was the process that was working. I'm like, yeah, oh, ooh, you know, it was like that, that had to be an interesting moment. But anyway, the main thing that I walk away from this passage with when I first look at it is, is like this big, heavy theological question, really, that a lot of us struggle with whether we are, are realizing it or not, when we study passages like this in the Bible. It's this one big question that comes to us a lot, and sometimes we're not willing to actually say it. And that question is, why is God so weird? <laughs> I mean, was this really our best option? It seems really confusing, like, like okay, I love you guys, I'm for you, I'm setting you free, I'm going to provide all this stuff for you. When these guys come to fight you, you're going to need to have the stick, and you're going to have to hold it up in the air, otherwise you guys get wiped out. <laughs> like, really? Is that the best plan? You know? I mean, there are so many times where it seems like God is just missing what would be the easiest way out of a certain situation. I'm sure we've all been there before, where it's like, you know, God, all you would have to do is fill in the blank, and then everything would be cool. And then he doesn't do that. He does something weird. <laughs> so sometimes these things, these things can be like really confusing. And, and, and God's instruction in our own life, when we're asking God, like, can you help me through this? Can you help me do this? How can I get through this situation? His instructions, when we hear from him, can sometimes be really, really odd. Um, confusing, even. Reminds me of like some confusing directions that, that I can get sometimes in my personal life. There was this one time uh, we were visiting Tulsa, my wife and I. That's where I'm from. And we were visiting there like around Christmas time, and she was staying over at a friend's house who I hadn't been to her friend's new house yet. I was staying at my parents' house for, for that day, and so she was like, all right, you know, it's time for me to come home. Can you come pick me up? Yes. Where, you know, what's the address? She's like, I don't know the address, and they just moved, and so she doesn't really remember the address. I'm like, okay, we'll put her on the phone and your friend have her give me directions. So she goes, okay, where are you? 
I'm like, all right, I'm at 51st and Lewis. She goes, okay, keep going straight. <laughs> no, 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 wait. I'm at an intersection. How do you know what direction I'm facing? She's like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, do you see like a, a quick trip gas station? Yes, I do. She's like, okay, uh, keep going past that. Wait, again, you don't know what direction I'm facing. <laughs> so she goes, okay, okay, uh, let's see. If, if you see that gas station, about two blocks down from that, there's a sewing store that I used to go to, but it's not there anymore. Wait a minute, this is not helping me. What's, it's like, I, I'm sorry, I, don't, I, I realize this might sound kind of misogynistic, but is your husband home? <laughs> Can you please hand the phone to him? It's like, because uh, yeah, this is not going to work. Anyway, sorry. Sometimes God's directions kind of seem like that, where it's like, I've realized, hey, I realize what you're asking me, but I planned that. Um, I was thirsty. <laughs> Jedi move. Anyway. Still a Padawan. Don't, don't judge me. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but it just seems like there's better options, you know. Like the way God's doing things is confusing. The directions he's giving are confusing. Why would he want to do this? Um, and even in this situation, you're looking at it and you're thinking, there's got to be so many other better options. So first, maybe God just confuses the Amalekites and they don't ever come out to wage war. He's done that before in the Bible where he confused people and they didn't even know what was going on. So they just went their own way. But he doesn't do that here. He could have sent an army of angels to just wipe these suckers out because that happened elsewhere in the Bible. Why not here? He doesn't do that. He could have just had these people decide to just, just be cool. You know what? We changed our mind. You guys are cool. We're going to let it happen. He did that elsewhere in the Bible. There's so many different options. He could have like even just like, you know, miraculously strengthened Moses' arms so he could have kept the stick up the whole time rather than this whole like, oh, we're losing, we're winning, we're losing, we're winning thing. He could have, much cooler in my estimation, like had the ground swallow up like this whole group of people with one of those monsters from Return of the Jedi in the sand pit. And yes, for all of you uber Star Wars nerds, I do know it's called a Sarlacc. Thank you. <laughs> you know, that's actually called, yes, it's a Sarlacc. Okay. Um, anyway, the main point though, to come back around to, after we have all those, those questions, which I think are natural, is that there are other questions to ask as well, like, didn't he already save them over and over and over again? Multiple times. So he's shown he cares for them. He's shown he wants to rescue them. He's shown he, he loves these people. He's shown his faithfulness. And if he's an all-knowing, all-loving God, he probably knows best. So that means there's a reason behind this. There's something in this for them to learn from, and by way of something for us to learn from. Something else I noticed when I was studying this was, I was curious if, if bringing the staff and the whole staff thing was actually God's idea in the first place. There are a lot of bits in the Exodus story where God tells Moses, use this staff, right? In this particular passage, Moses just says, I'm bringing it, I'm bringing the stick. And so the children of Israel knew what this thing was. It wasn't just like a walking stick that was you know, kind of cool. It was something that had huge history with them. So Moses sees the burning bush. God tells him, put the staff down. It turns into a snake. He goes to Pharaoh, does the snake trick again. Pharaoh's not all that impressed. He's like, has his magicians throw their staffs down, turns into snakes. Moses' snake eats their snakes. 
turns back into a staff, picks it up, three times heavier, I'm assuming. <laughs> Loaded with stinks. Anyway, that's why it was so heavy that day. Um, but, uh, yeah. That wasn't all. It was, uh, this was the staff he used to turn the river to blood. Uh, this was a staff he hit the ground, and lice covered the entire country. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, you can read through the Exodus story. It's, it's fascinating. Or you can watch the old Charlton Heston movie. I am Moses, the Lord God of Israel says, let my people go. All, all acting in the 1950s was overacting. All right. Um, so anyway, uh, it's, it's fascinating. But everybody there knew something was up when he was bringing this. And they had some hope that this thing brought miracles, this staff. So they were relying upon that. But I don't think Moses was only relying upon bringing this staff. I think he was also praying in that moment. And everything else that I studied on this, like all these biblical scholars were saying, he was definitely praying. I mean, you can imagine yourself, if you're on the top of this mountain and you're holding this staff and you're like getting weary and like, not just you, not just your life is on the line, but all of your friends, all of your people, the people of God who he just, he's leading you. You're, you're given the, the, the responsibility to lead these people and get them through here safely. And they're all getting wiped out unless you're keeping your arms up. I mean... I think we would all be praying. I think we'd be praying hard. But that shows something, that it wasn't just this, you know, magical staff that, that had the right words spoken over it. It was something that God was anointing. And I think God was also answering the prayers that Moses was giving at that moment as well. And the thing that we see is the thing, the success that happened on the high ground where Moses was actually was the success that was happening on the low ground where Joshua and all of those people fighting was. The success that happened on the low ground was entirely based upon what was happening on the high ground, right? It didn't have to do with how strong their men were, how ready for battle they were, how prepared they were. It didn't matter how great their weapons were. It was completely upon submission to God winning this fight. Uh, if you go to Psalms 76, book of Psalms 76, 1 through 3, this is really interesting. This is David writing, and he says, God is renowned in Judah. In Israel, his name is great. His tent is in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. What that's talking about is the tabernacle. That's where the presence of God was. Uh, since Jesus came and died and rose again, we have the ability to have the Spirit of God living within us. Back then, there was one spot on all the earth where people could actually go to experience the presence of God. And that was that tabernacle. That's where God was, right? So he's saying, God is renowned in Judah. In Israel, his name is great. His tent is in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. That's where God is. There he broke the flashing arrows, the shields and the swords, the weapons of war. What's he saying? He's saying when we went out and we fought and we had these great military victories and we beat people, that happened back in the temple of God. That's where that happened. It wasn't with us on the front lines. It was God, where he lives. This army is waging a war, back to the Exodus story. We don't hear about any of the actual warriors getting tired. <laughs> I mean, they're fighting for their lives out there. 
We don't hear about Joshua getting tired. We don't hear about him getting weary. It's Moses. Moses is the one who's getting tired. He's putting a lot into this. And you can't say it's because he's an old guy. <laughs> because in a couple of chapters, he's about to climb a mountain and bring down some really, really like heavy stone tablets twice. So uh, he's in decent shape. But regardless of what shape you're in, holding a staff up like that is like really, really hard work. Doesn't seem like it, but I had a buddy of mine, uh, his name was Brian, and he was in the army for a little while. And he said when he enlisted, uh, you know, you go to basic training camp and he said, normal stuff you'd expect to do. You're doing push-ups, you're running a lot, all these things. He said, one day they lead us out on a march and we've got our, our rifles, it's like weighs seven pounds. And they say, all right, we just want you to hold this thing up. Stand here and hold it up. Like, is this a joke? Like, you guys kidding? Like, this is the hard basic training we signed up for? Said, after a minute or two, it's like, okay, that's, that's starting to get a little bit uncomfortable. So after five minutes, you start feeling the tingling. So if you can hit 15 minutes, your arms are just completely numb. Said, there were some guys who could make it, like, almost up to, like, 35, 40 minutes. Said, the next day, they couldn't even pick up a milk carton. Their arms were useless. So this is hard. Your body, your heart is actually pumping blood against gravity, which it doesn't really like to do. And so it's a difficult thing. It takes a toll on you. God's not surprised by that. So when he set this thing up to where this means you're winning, this means you're losing, he knows Moses doesn't have the capability to pull this off. So what does that say? I think that tells us that God knows we need to rely on him. Their faith was not in the guys on the ground. Their faith was not in how great they were wielding a sword. Their faith and the results had to do with relying upon God to enter into this situation. Not only that, I think it has a lot to say about us being in community because, yeah, God brought these people alongside Moses. He couldn't have done it on his own. If, if Aaron and her are not on the mountainside that day, Moses' arms drop at some point, and they lose. So we need to rely upon God, first and foremost, when we are in difficult circumstances, and we also need to be able to look to our community of faith, look to those around us, and ask for help when we need it, and be those who are helping others when they need it. Amen? So this is, this is about the power of prayer, this message. And, uh, you know, as I was looking into that, I saw this old Martin Luther quote, which I've heard before, which he would talk about how when he woke up and he knew he had a day full of stuff to do, like the calendar is just completely booked, he said, I would then spend an extra hour in prayer that morning to make sure that I would be able to get everything done. That seems completely counterintuitive, right? And, I mean, the first response, of course, is like, well, Martin Luther didn't have Netflix. But, um, but seriously, I mean, can we wrap our brains around that? Like, okay, I've got this I've got to do with the kids. I've got this I've got to do with work. I promised these guys I'd do this. There's this meeting I'm supposed to go to. Ah, oh, my day is completely packed. I had better sit down and pray for an extra hour so that I can get all of those things done. 
Martin wasn't just looking at, well, at least I'll be closer to God and I'll just have like peace about all the stuff that's going to fall through the cracks. And I'm just going to be like at one with God and like all the junk that just doesn't get done. I'll be like, you know what? That's cool. I'm good with God. He was actually talking about accomplishing these things, like getting more done because of inviting God into the process. And that's what was happening in Exodus. They were inviting God into this process that was hopeless for them otherwise. But I want to remind us, God wants to hear from us. He wants to answer us because he loves us. He wants to be involved in our lives. He wants us to invite him into that space. There's, uh, there's this popular atheist who once uh, asked in a debate uh, with this guy, Greg Kokel. He said, uh, it's like, I want you to name one good thing that a Christian can do that an atheist can't. What's one good action you can do that I can't? You know, I could, I could go volunteer at a soup kitchen. I can help the homeless. I can help the needy. I can do all these wonderful things that you can do. You're no better than I am. The answer was, well, you can't start a conversation with God. You can't worship God, which is one of the greatest things that we were designed to do. I mean, you can still, I, I wouldn't say you can't talk to God because there was that whole thing like, you know, knocking Paul off his donkey and <laughs> that's, that sort of thing. That's not really the kind of conversation you want to have with God, though. Um, but actually having a loving conversation with God, you can only do if you believe in God. And it's, it's, it's a close relationship. It's something that's completely built upon love and an invitation. So, it could unfortunately be a little bit too easy to look at this Exodus story and think, that sounds really great, but it doesn't really apply to me. You know, that's, that's very old world, sandals, dirt, rocks. It's not really like a modern story. But we see miracles happen all the time. Maybe they're not to the scale of, you know, what you see Charlton Heston acting about, but we do see miracles happen all the time, especially in this church community. So I just, you don't have to, you know, share the stories or, or the details, but if anybody in here, since you've been at Antioch at any point, you experienced some kind of a miraculous answer to prayer, would you just raise your hand? So if you're in the front, I want you to look around. I mean, definitely the majority of people here, right? We've seen prayer get answered. Uh, just this last week, we had a couple of people miraculously healed. We got messages about it. They were miraculously healed at the end of the service. And before the service, we got words of knowledge from our prophetic prayer team about those exact things. God is answering prayer here. We have seen people healed from depression. People have seen their entire negative work situation turned around. People who have had physical healings. People who have seen their financial lives turn around. It does happen. Pastor Andy said, you know, some people say like, oh, well, it's just kind of coincidences happen, you know, sometimes. And people say, well, that's, that's a move of God. And he's like, well, when we pray, funny enough, a lot of coincidences start happening. So it's just the truth. In fact, our church is here right now because of prayer. It's just the truth of it. I, I mean, probably many times over, <laughs> probably our church never would have even been planted in the city if it hadn't been for prayer to begin with, to start that journey. But I mean, seeing the transition that happened last year, I definitely think the prayers of the people of this church is why we're still here. 
So, what if hearing a story like this is a little bit difficult because you're thinking, I haven't gotten an answer to my prayer yet. I've been praying for something that's big and I haven't seen anything happen. That's really difficult, but I would say keep praying. Keep praying. I mean, there are things in the Bible, like in the book of Daniel, where we're told about how he's praying for something and an angel actually shows up months after the fact and says, we've been trying to get here to answer your prayer, but there's been all this demonic opposition that we've been fighting through. Maybe that's going on. Maybe something else is going on, but Daniel didn't stop praying. He didn't cease. He kept going for it. There's, there's a lot of biblical passages. I don't have time to like hit all of them, but there are so many that talk about how when we continue in prayer, when we are continually going to God. That is something that he encourages. He's not annoyed with us. He's not like, you know, all right, you already said that one, and I already said no, move along. It's, he invites us to keep praying when something's really on our hearts. So keep praying. There's actually this story I, I like to tell. Uh, we were at, uh, at our house. This was probably a year and a half ago, and I had injured my, my wrists, and uh, I'm a musician by trade, so uh, having wrists that are flexible and not feeling a lot of pain is a great thing. Uh, but at that time, I had the exact opposite, and I couldn't put any weight on my hands whatsoever, or it was just excruciating. And so I'm running around our main level with, uh, with my boys, and we've got hardwood floors, and I take a turn too fast, and I slip, and I fall, and all my weight goes down on my right hand and bends my hand back, and it is excruciating. It's one of those things where you have, like, so much pain, and all the people around you are going, are you okay? Are you all right? And it's like you can't even, like, respond. You're just, you know, it's just the, you just make guttural sounds, and that's it. That's, that's how you know somebody's really, really hurt. And if you keep asking, are you, are, are you okay? Then you just make them matter. Um, but anyway, so I was, I was really in, in serious pain. And so my boys and my wife, they gathered around me, and they laid hands on me, and they prayed for me to be healed, and nothing happened. And so I'm getting up. I'm like, yeah, thanks for praying for me. Appreciate it. You know, yeah. And my son, Avery, turns around, and he comes right back up to me, not requested. He puts his hands on me, like, kind of weird. Like, he grabbed my hand, like, from the underside, and kind of, kind of a strange way to grab it. And he prays again. Nothing magical, nothing mystical, no new words that just came out of nowhere. Just a basic, Father God, I pray that Daddy's wrist would be healed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Boom, gone. Completely healed. No more pain whatsoever. Totally flexible. What would have happened if he just said, well, I already prayed for his wrist, right? I just did it. Time to move on. We didn't see the prayer like result in a healing. No, keep praying. <laughs> keep praying. Keep going back. I want to look at uh, this passage, Mark eleven twenty two through 24. This is uh, often quoted by, like, you know, word faith movements, and, and some people get uh, a little bit uncomfortable when you, when you pull these passages out. But I got to say, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a negative thing around when people take these things and they use them out of context, or they use them for their personal gain. And like, I can have a red Ferrari, I'm going to have a new diamond ring. And, and it's, that's not what this is about. <laughs> this is not what this is about. Um, we're, we're instructed elsewhere in the Bible that we need to be praying in line with God's will. We need to be praying the kinds of things God wants us to be praying for. 
But let's look at this, uh, because it's, it's, it's one of three things, really. It's either this isn't true, like the Bible got mistranslated, or this never happened, or something like that. We don't believe that here at this church. We believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Um, it could be that God or Jesus said this, and he meant it to the people who were right there, but it doesn't apply to us. But I think you've got a really, really hard road to go to, to make that case. And the other one is, Jesus said this, and he meant it. And there's a proper way for us to step into it, Right? So here's what he says, starting in verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So, a big portion of this is you have to, when you're praying, believe that what you're praying for will happen. That's a factor. We're told that it's impossible to please God without faith. We're told that faith is a major factor in praying and receiving things. This is huge. So if we're praying for something and it's just like so far out of our comprehension that we can't even grasp it, but that's really what we would like to happen, that's not what this is instructing us to do. So... You know, if, if it's, I've been stuck in a wheelchair for 20 years, I can't really, with my faith, believe that I can pray that I'll step up out of this thing right now and it will happen. I don't really have the faith for that. But can I believe that next time I go to the doctor, he's like, you know what? We're seeing like some regrowth here. We're seeing like things improving. Against all conventional wisdom, you're getting better. Your legs are getting stronger. Can I believe for that? Okay, that I think I could do. I think I can do that. All right, go there. Start where you're able to. Start your faith off somewhere. But have God step into the situation, right? Invite him into it. Don't just say, well, that's impossible. As we were singing this morning, as we sung last week, we, we don't do impossible. <laughs> we, we have a God who is bigger than that. We have a God who is beyond that. Amen? The other thing is, I know this can be a really touchy subject because there are deeply personal things that we pray for sometimes that maybe you personally have prayed for or somebody in your life has prayed for that was a good thing that you're like, I, I know God would be on board with this. And it was maybe even a life or death situation and you didn't see the answer to your prayer come through. Why did that happen? I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I don't know. There, there are super difficult things in this life that we go through. There are heart-wrecking things that we go through that we would like to see miraculous answers to prayer for, and sometimes that doesn't happen. But I got to tell you, I still think God's good, and I still think he put these things in his word to tell us for a reason. And our response is to step into them. Our response is to say, okay, God, you're asking me to do this. I'll do it. And it's not, it's not a magic formula. It's not magic words and you say this and then you get this. Or if you do it just right, then this. Because our God is a personal God. He is a being who has his own mind and decisions. And it's, it's not, it's not a, a rule book of, well, when I say this to God, he gives me this. When I do this for God, then he does that. 
you know, any more than, all right, well, every day if I go to my wife and I say this, then she'll make me an almond butter sandwich for lunch. Now, on some days, that might work. <laughs> on some days, that might be great. On some days, she might have an issue with me over a completely unrelated issue, and she's like, you know what? I'd actually like to talk to you about this before we deal with any of that. Can we, can we come over here and have a conversation first? Because you, you did something that really hurt me, and yeah, we'll, we'll get to lunch eventually, but this is really important. That's kind of important, you know? Am I making any sense here? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, but the point being, why, why did Jesus give us these instructions? Because... He loves us, and he wants us to have access to his help in our lives. When he's talking about saying to a mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and be gone, and then it goes, he's not saying, wouldn't that be cool <laughs> for you to do that? Wouldn't that be awesome for you to have this, you know, awesome world-wielding power? No. He's saying, you might be facing a really insanely difficult time in your life you might feel like this is impossible. This would be the same as moving a mountain. Ask me for help. I want to get involved in that. I want to help you. I want to be part of your journey. Because it's not you that's making it happen. It's not your words magically that are making it happen. It is the Spirit of God that is making that happen. Right? So, maybe God isn't so weird if we can pull all of this stuff out of this story. Maybe the, the Moses staff thing wasn't the, the insane instructions that we thought it was because it put the focus upon God. It put the focus upon the things that were happening on the high ground, controlling what was happening on the low ground, making sure that their hearts were in the right place, submitted to God to make these things come to pass. And as, as I always like to do, I always want to bring these things back to Jesus and what he did for us and what the gospel is. And Jesus prayed anytime he was confronted with extreme difficulty. Jesus prayed to God even when he didn't face extreme difficulty. Jesus was praying a lot. And if that's what he was doing as the son of God here on earth, I think we definitely need to be praying as well. Like Joshua in that story, Jesus is on the front lines. He's the one who is really the one down there slinging a sword, fighting our battles for us. Yet, he is also like Moses because he is the one who is interceding with Father God on our behalf. He's the one making all that work. Christ takes care of what's happening on the high ground, and he helps us take care of what's happening on the low ground. So we don't need no stinking sarlacc. Amen. <laughs> All right. Now, um, I want to take some time, now that we've talked about praying, we've talked about praying, we've talked about seeing things happen from our prayers, we've talked about um, God's miraculous intervention in our lives, and we want to put that to practice right now. So a lot of times after worship, we'll have a corporate prayer time where we pray over some different issues. And so today, we want to be praying over you. If you need a miracle today, if you need a miraculous healing in your body, if you need a situation in your life to miraculously turn around, then we're going to pray for you guys. Also, um, with Pastor Andy, uh, his, his ears are in a serious condition. And so 
Um, he's been in an extreme amount of pain. We, we had some of our church leadership uh, go over to his house yesterday and pray over him, anointed him with oil, and he did feel relief over it. He felt like things got better for about two hours, and then it came back. We're not going to stop praying. <laughs> we are going to continue praying. Um, and not just for the healing of these ear infections, but we are praying uh, as a church body, I'm sure a lot of you have been, for his complete healing for his ears. Why? Because we love him. <laughs> and, and we know God loves him as well. So we're going we're gonna to do both of those things. So uh, we can go ahead and cut the, dim the lights, and um, we'll, uh, we'll do this last song, this last ministry song. And during that time, uh, first off, if you have something in your life that you want prayer for, you want to see a miracle happen over something physical in you, whether it's something uh, in your life emotionally, spiritually, financially, if you need a miracle in your life, I would just ask that you raise your hand. And if you see somebody nearby you who's got their hand up, I would ask that you go over to them and pray for them during this last song. And if you don't have somebody nearby you who's got their hand up, then, and, and you can keep them up as we start this song, if you don't have somebody nearby you who's got their hand up, then if you could spend some time praying over Pastor Andy, praying for the healing for his ears, then that's what we would love to do this morning. Amen. Thank you. from you, people who need you to step into their lives and make a difference. God, we thank you that there are no limitations on you. There is nothing that is impossible for you. Nothing is too far gone. Nothing is too big to change. Nothing is outside of your reach. We thank you for that, God. We pray that we would see your presence in these situations. see the change that we seek out. I pray that you would inspire us to keep praying and that you would align our hearts with yours so that we can pray your will in every situation in our lives. Lord God, we pray over Andy this morning. We pray that you give him rest and peace. We pray for the infections in his ear canal will be completely gone. We pray for a miraculous healing over him and uh, totally restored. We pray for a return of his hearing. 